This is the She Runs the Show podcast with Cassandra Bibas, episode number one, the solo series. Welcome to episode number one of the She Runs the Show podcast. This is a podcast for women entrepreneurs who want to create personal and financial freedom through businesses that thrive and relationships that rock. Let me ask you a question. Why would you ever choose professional success over personal relationships when you can have both? You see, those those are the struggles that women entrepreneurs face every single day. Trying to build a company, a business, fulfill their purpose in life, while at the same time balancing or attempting to balance their families, their spouses, their relationships. And you know what? You can have both. This podcast is designed to teach you how to do that. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the seven guiding principles that you're going to need to transform your business in 2015. All right, let's get started. Hello, hello, everybody. Cassandra Bibas here, your fear to fuel expert, life transitions coach, and the creator of She Runs the Show. Welcome to episode number one. You're listening to the first episode, and for the first few episodes, we're going to do what I call a solo series. So it's really going to be you, me, and the critical elements of your business's success. And so today, I want to start and launch the show by talking about seven guiding principles you're going to need to transform your business in 2015. I don't know about you, but the end of a year brings a time of a lot of reflection, a lot of just looking at, okay, what was this last 12 months? What, what did it mean to me? What went well? What didn't go so well? What needs to change for next year? And it's also the excitement of a brand new year. Maybe it's because my birthday's in January and I celebrate my birthday all month long, literally from the 1st of January to the 31st. But a new year to me represents a new opportunity at life, a new opportunity at being who you were meant to be, but probably somebody you've never been playing life as Tara Moore would say, playing it big, playing on a higher level. So I want to talk to you in this episode about seven guiding principles. And these are, you know, when I first came up with the idea for seven guiding principles, you know, I I pulled seven of my favorite books on business, on life, and I thought, okay, I'm going to pull one guiding principle from each book. <laughs> it's amazing how the universe works. Little did I know that Almost every single one of the guiding principles that we're going to talk about today came from one book, one book that was written well over 100 years ago. So I don't know if you've read the book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles, but it was written like maybe 1846, 1912, something like that. But there's so much in it. So if you haven't read The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles, it is a must read for every entrepreneur out there. It's not about the idea of materially getting rich, by the way. I mean, that's a piece of it, but there's so much wisdom in it, as you're going to see, because we're going to go over these seven guiding principles, and his work forms the basis of each of these principles. So let's go ahead and dive in. As a woman entrepreneur, there's a lot of um, 
a lot to sort out, a lot to figure out, right? A lot to balance, even though balance is not a word that I really like, because I don't think what we do is balance, but that's a, for a whole other episode to discuss. There is a lot to consider when you are a woman entrepreneur, when you have multiple priorities, when you want the freedom personally and financially that comes from having a business you love, doing work you were born to do. I mean, there's so many amazing and extraordinary gifts in having that, but there are certain principles that you do need to practice if A, you're going to do this business thing well, and B, you're going to be able to sustain your success over the long term. So let's dive into the seven guiding principles that you're going to need to transform your business in this new year. First principle, and I know we've heard this all before, but let's put a little spin on this one. Principle number one, don't practice gratitude, live there. Now, I can't tell you the number of gratitude journals, gratitude activities, gratitude exercises that I see anywhere and everywhere all over the internet. And you hear it on the radio and people swear by it in TV interviews. You know, they get up every day, they write in their gratitude journal. Cool beans for people who want activities that get them into a space of feeling thankful for what they have. But one of the guiding principles to transform your business is it's not enough for gratitude to be a daily activity that you do. It's not enough for gratitude to be a practice that's a part of your daily planner. Don't practice gratitude. Live there. You see, because it's it's not just that gratitude is something, you know, people say, the more grateful you are, the more grateful, the more grateful you get to become, like more things to be great about come to you. Yes, it's not just that gratitude is an attractor of great things. It's also that being grateful prevents negative thoughts, negative emotions, and behavioral patterns from taking hold. And you know, Wallace D. Waddles talks about this in The Science of Getting Rich because he says, you know what? You cannot exercise much power without gratitude, he says, for it is gratitude that keeps you connected with power. In the book, Wallace D. Wallace goes on to say, the moment you permit your mind to dwell with dissatisfaction upon things as they are, you begin to lose ground. You fix attention upon the common, the ordinary, the poor, and the squalid and mean, and your mind takes the form of these things. To permit your mind to dwell upon the inferior is to become inferior and to surround yourself with inferior things. On the other hand, to fix your attention on the best is to surround yourself with the best and to become the best. The creative power within us makes us into the image of that to which we give our attention. The grateful mind is constantly fixed upon the best. Therefore, it tends to become the best. It takes the form of character of the best and will receive the best. Also, faith is born of gratitude. The grateful mind continually expects good things and expectation becomes faith. The reaction of gratitude upon one's own mind produces faith and every outgoing wave of grateful thanksgiving increases faith. He who has no feelings of gratitude cannot long retain a living faith. And let me say that last line because that that's really what I want to get to in this first principle. 
Wallace D. Waddle says, he who has no feeling of gratitude cannot long retain a living faith. And that's why I have a problem with gratitude practices. Because before long, if we're not careful, the gratitude journals, the gratitude activities, the 15 minutes that we do every single Monday that relates to gratitude, we stop feeling those things. There are no longer uh, ways in which we live. There are things on our to-do list that we've got to check off. And so the moment you lose the feeling of gratitude as you're doing your gratitude activities, you've lost the whole point of gratitude. So in guiding principle number one, As you unfold in this new year, as you build your business in this new year, stop practicing gratitude. Like this is just like life is not a dress rehearsal. Stop practicing gratitude. Live there. Embody it. Be it. Feel it on a constant basis. Don't practice gratitude. Live there. Let's talk about second guiding principle that you're going to need to transform your business in 2015. I love this one because I do it every day. Focus on the power of three. You know, I used to create super long to-do lists and I used to create super long goal lists. I mean, like in one year, I would have 20 goals that I wanted to accomplish. And, you know, with 20 to 30 goals in a given year, none of them would get accomplished because I'd look at the goal list and I'd get overwhelmed and then I'd look at the to-do list and get super overwhelmed and then I wouldn't feel like doing anything and I'd go eat some Hershey's chocolate. So what I learned over time is that And this is a concept that Wallace D. Waddles talks about. He says, you've got to put your whole mind into present action. You've got to be present to your goals, to your agenda for the year. But especially when you're in the beginning phase of your business, like when you're in just the startup, like zero to year three, it's really important to focus on the power of three. What do I mean by that? Here are some guidelines to follow. First thing, no more than three major projects for the year. You know, especially when you're a solopreneur, like when you don't have a team of people who work for you full time, when you don't have even a part-time project manager and a couple VAs, if you are starting this business on your own and it is just you and maybe a family member who's like helping you with admin stuff, you've got to be realistic about what you can take on, put whole mind into present action to, and really follow through on. So first thing is no more than three major projects for the year. Second part of this focus on the power of three, no more than three revenue streams that you'll put the bulk of your attention attention on for the year. Meaning there are so many ways, especially online and using technology to make additional streams of income in your business. There's so many ways. Like you could podcast and get sponsorships and blog and do AdWords and get sponsors for your blog. And you could do affiliates and JVs. I mean, the list goes on and on. But do you really have the the focus and the presence and the time to give all that you have to all that you do for all of those different revenue streams? You don't. So no more than three revenue streams that you're going to put the bulk of your attention on for 2015. Here's the other thing. No more mile-long to-do lists. Like, no, my to-do list is a three-by-five note card, hot pink color, and I put the date and the top three things that I want to get accomplished today. That's it. No more than three things for the day because... The issue is, if I finish the three things, fabulous, I just pull out another hot pink note card, and I do that again. If I don't get those three things accomplished, I know I'm at least getting one or two, and then I just 
cycle the whatever didn't get done from one day and put it at the top of the list for the next day. But no more my long to-do list. The fourth thing you want to do when you're focusing on the power of three is, and, and the way that I went from having mile-long to-do list to finally having just a three-by-five note card is I asked myself a different question before I created my to-do list. So I used to ask myself, what are all the things that need to get done? I used to say, okay, what are all the things that I need to do in my business? And of course, if you say, what are all the things that you need to get done? You're going to have a mile-long to-do list. Now the question that I ask myself are, what I ask myself is, what are my next three steps? That's it. I don't want to know all the things that I've got to do because there's a mile long list. The only thing I need to know, what are my next three steps? And then once I complete those next three steps, then I can ask the question again. Okay, those are done. What are my next three steps? But it keeps me with whole mind in present action, getting things accomplished. If your to-do list is too long, you will feel overwhelmed, you will get stuck, and then you won't take any action. The key thing is massive daily action. And you get that by asking, what are my next three steps? So principle number two, if you're going to transform your business in 2015, is focus on the power of three. Now, let's talk about principle number three. So principle number three, on a daily basis, I want you to, and you know, it doesn't matter whether you say it out loud or you write it in a journal or you talk to a, a, a partner or somebody in your team about it. On a daily basis, I want you to recommit to giving your all to the business, even if there's going to be zero profit for the first three years of business. This is a really important point because a lot of us are living in a time where we are seeing a lot of people who appear to be get rich quick people or overnight successes. They appear that way. You know, I love the fact that when you hear motivational speeches, a lot of the time you will hear the before and the after story, but you don't hear the middle of the road journey. And typically the middle of the road journey is the longest part of the whole thing. So you get the before snapshot, you get the after snapshot, you're like wowed by how far that person came. But you didn't hear that they spent 40 years in the wilderness in between. So part of getting clear and fully embracing the fact that your revenue goals, your profit goals, your business goals, the ability to quit your day job, the ability to have the lifestyle that you want where you go on vacation for the entire summer and you never have to check email, all of that may take longer than you'd like it to. So rather than set up all of these lofty goals that then don't get accomplished and then you feel crushed and then you think about, you know, closing your business or getting another job or getting a second job, what I want you to do on a daily basis is recommit to giving your all to the business, even if there's going to be zero profits for the the first three years. Now, that doesn't mean that you say... Okay, so I'm just not going to make any money for the first three years. I accept it. Da, 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 fine. That's not what I'm saying. Anticipate that you're that you're valuable and that you will be, you know, compensated for that in the marketplace. That's going to happen. You would not start a business if on some level you didn't feel confident that what you offer is valuable to other people. 
but demanding that it come within a certain time frame, especially at startup, demanding that in order, you know, what a lot of people do is they go, okay, I'm going to quit my day job and I'm going to work on this business, but I've got to make $80,000 by month six in order for me to keep doing this business. Doesn't work that way. You really have to be willing to say, I'm going to be here until if it takes me longer than I expect, I will still be here. I believe in myself and my work and I love what I do enough that if it were to take me three years to get to profitability, I would still be here putting whole mind in present action. So principle number three is on a daily basis, recommit to giving your all to the business, even if there's going to be zero profits for the first three years. Again, this is all about self-discipline. I love the Albert Hubbard quote when he says, self-discipline is the ability to do what you should do when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. I love the last piece, like whether you feel like it or not. If you are waiting to be in the mood to get done what needs to get done, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Self-discipline is the ability to do what you should do when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. Most people seem to think, that what makes people successful are things like intelligence or talent or, I don't know, likability. Those might be pieces to the puzzle, but what really separates average from extraordinary is that extraordinary people are absolutely unreasonable about the level to which they can take their success. They make a firm decision from go that they're going to be here until, until it works out, until they get to where they want to go, until they have the success they want. They don't stop. So there's nothing that is ever going to come in their way that makes them go, oh, I guess I better go back to where I used to be. Nothing. Because they understand that as long as they are the last one standing, they're definitely going to get there. Like the ability to persist, the ability to be the last one standing is the thing that already guarantees you your success. But in order to be the last one standing, you've got to be self-disciplined. So on a daily basis, I want you committed to giving your all to the business even if there's going to be zero profits for the first three years. And three years is a long time when you really want to, you know, leave your day job, when you really want to be able to live a lifestyle where your perfect day is happening and you get to spend time with your family and you get to kind of go on vacation when you want and make the kind of money you want and take care of your family financially. Three years is a long time. However, I want you to think about this. It's not three years of pushing, fighting, and struggling. It is three years of investing. It's investing in yourself. It's investing in your vision. It's investing in other people because what you're here to do is serve others to the highest of your capacity. And I think Wallace D. Waddles talks about this beautifully because in The Science of Getting Rich, he says... You do not need to apply your will to things in order to compel them to come to you. That would simply be trying to coerce God and would be foolish and useless, as well as irreverent. You do not have to compel God to give you good things any more than you have to use your willpower to make the sun rise. You do not have to use your willpower to conquer an unfriendly deity or to make stubborn and rebellious forces do your bidding. Substance is friendly to you and is more anxious to give you what you want than you are to get it. 
To get rich, you need only to use your willpower upon yourself. When you know what to think and do, then you must use your will to compel yourself to think and do the right things. That is a legitimate use of the will in getting what you want, to use it in holding yourself to the right course. Use your will to keep yourself thinking and acting in the certain way. And let me get to that heart of, of what he's saying. He says, when you know what to think and do, then you must use your will to compel yourself to think and do the right things. That is the legitimate use of the will in getting what you want, to use it in holding yourself to the right course. A lot of this journey is not going to be pretty. It's not going to feel fun and exciting and amazing. Will you feel passion? Yes. Will you feel creativity? Yes. Will you feel victory? Yes. Will it be hard? Maybe. Will it be challenging? Absolutely. But even in the moments where obstacles seem to outweigh opportunities, you've got to come back to the commitment that you made from day one, and you've got to compel yourself to think and do the right things, whether you're in the mood to do it or not. And the bottom line of this is we live in a society that is so non-committal, so non-committal. So if you can just get this one piece, this one principle of commitment and recommitment on a daily basis, you've already won. Like if you can get this thing down, commitment will get you everywhere. And let me give you an example. You know, I saw this the other day on Instagram and it was such a powerful quote, A, because I didn't know that The Rock had been at this place or had ever had a moment like this and be because it reminded me that when you make a decision to take a certain course in life and when you make an unequivocal decision to end up at a certain place in life you find a way to make that happen and here's the quote from Dwayne the Rock Johnson in 1995 I had seven bucks in my pocket and knew two things I'm broke as hell, and someday I won't be. You can achieve anything. Isn't that powerful? I mean, that is so, like, for somebody to be standing at a moment in their lives where they have $7 in their pocket, and for that person to be able to say, I know two things for sure. Right now I'm broke, and someday I won't be. And then understanding that they have within themselves the power to get to whatever level they choose. That's what that daily recommitment is about. Because there will be moments in your business where if you're not making money for an extended period of time, you start to go, oh, what if this is the wrong decision? What if this is, ooh, what if I, you know, do I need to get another job? Do I need, you know, do I need to go back to school? You begin to waver. But if on a daily basis you're saying to yourself, when I started this business, I said I was going to be here until. And so even though the business is not making money, yes, I need to figure out why it's not making money. Yes, I need to be flexible about my approach and my strategies. Maybe I need to change my product, but no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here until. And when you make that daily commitment, when the obstacles hit, they don't put you on the floor. Because you've already said to yourself day in and day out, no matter what, this is where I'm going to be. And that's powerful. Principle number four. Let's talk about that. Principle number four is 
take MDAs with a champion's mindset. Now, I know a lot of you are like, well, what? What the, what the heck is an MDA? MDA stands for Massive Daily Action. So what I'm saying in this principle is in 2015, I want to see you take massive daily actions with a champion's mindset. Now, listen, a lot of you might be going, well, if I'm taking massive daily action, aren't I doing that with a champion's mindset? Because really, do we people take massive daily action? Yes. Yes, they do. Weak people take massive daily action and complain about it. I wanted to use another word, but I chose not to. And complain about it all the way through as they take the massive daily action. I don't want you to be an entrepreneur who does that. I want you to take massive daily action or do MDAs with a champion's mindset. In The Science of Getting Rich, Wallace D. Waddles calls this efficient action. In order to take efficient action or to do your MDAs, your massive daily actions, you have to know the difference. And this is a very like thin line, tightrope kind of thing. You have to know the difference between breakthroughs, like breaking through a comfort zone, taking your life to the next level, challenging yourself so that you up your game. So you've got to know the difference between a breakthrough and a breakdown, which in the beginning may seem like the same thing, but once you start hitting overwhelm, burnout, stress, struggle, strain, and then you hit that point of exhaustion, you know that's not a breakthrough, that's a breakdown. So doing your MDAs, your massive daily actions, means you've really got to be able to differentiate between when you're in a breakthrough zone and when you're headed toward a breakdown plateau. And in the science of getting rich, this is what Wallace D. Waddle says about this. He says, you can advance only by being larger than your present place. And no man is larger than his present place who leaves undone any of the work pertaining to that place. The world is advanced only by those who more than fill their present places. See, and I think that's such an important thing because a lot of us do this, I'll be better when thing. Like, I hate what I do in my job. So I'm not going to work so hard. I'll be better when I get over there. Or I hate this relationship, so I'm not going to show up for it. I'll be better when I get to the next person. It doesn't work that way because you know what? Here's the truth. Wherever you go, there you are. How you are over here is how you're going to be over there. How much you give to charity over here making this kind of money is how much you're going to give to charity over there making that kind of money. Wherever you go, there you are, which is why, you know, how you treat little says a lot about how you'll treat much, which also says a lot about whether or not you actually get much. So you can advance only by being larger than your present place. And no man is larger than his present place who leaves undone any of the work pertaining to that place. What am I saying? Take massive daily action. Make sure you finish the stuff that you're doing on a daily basis and you do it well. It's super important that you do your best for you, not for anybody else, not to please your boss, not to please your VA, not to please your customer. I mean, yes, you want to please your customers, but it's got to begin by you wanting to do your best for you. And how you handle and to what extent you bring exceptional to small acts, it's going to be super indicative of how you'll handle larger responsibilities. So do every act with excellence, not because somebody's demanding that you do it, 
but because that's how you work and that's what makes you feel good. And this also goes back to another thing that Wallace T. Waddle says. You know, he said in the book, The Science of Getting Rich, you cannot foresee the results of even the most trivial act. You do not know the workings of all the forces that have been set moving in your behalf. Much may be depending on your doing some simple act. It may be the very thing which is to open the door of opportunity to very great possibilities. You can never know all the combinations which supreme intelligence is making for you in the world of things and of human affairs. Your neglect or failure to do some small thing may cause a long delay in getting what you want. Do every day all that can be done that day. But then he also says, here's here's the caveat. There is, however, a limitation or qualification of the above that you must take into account. You are not to overwork, nor to rush blindly into your business in the effort to do the greatest possible number of things in the shortest possible time. You are not to try to do tomorrow's work today, nor to do a week's work in a day. It is really not the number of things you do, but the efficiency of each separate action that counts. And that is such a struggle, right? As an entrepreneur, you want to get as much done as you can. You you know, when you're like feeling the work that you're doing and what you're creating and you want people to have access to it and you're, you know, like you want to work all night long. But what he's saying is very, very true. Massive daily action doesn't lead you to burnout. There is a a, a delicate balance where you do all that you can do in that day, but you do not overwork or rush blindly into your business in the effort to do the greatest possible number of things in the shortest possible time. Do today's work well, but don't overdo it. So this is a very, and that's where the champion's mindset comes into. As if you think about it, a champion is going to work very, very hard. An Olympian is going to work extremely, extremely hard, but they're not going to work themselves to the point, at least we hope they don't, that they injure themselves so that they can't be in the Olympics. So we want to do the same thing as entrepreneurs. Take our massive daily actions, our MDAs, but do it with a champion's mindset. That's principle number four. Let's talk about principle number five. This one is super important. You know, your your body is your temple. It's where you live. And I think as entrepreneurs, especially when we're starting out, I know I struggle with this. You want to get adequate sleep. You want to get great nutrition. You want to exercise, you know, and feel really great and look really great. And there are only 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. And guess what? Congress is not adding the eighth day anytime soon. So you you find yourself as an entrepreneur always saying, like, how do I get it all in? How do I get it all done? And principle number five is a way to sort of answer that. How do I take care of my body and my health while I'm doing this building a business, building an empire thing? And it's part of it is you don't want to be so stringent about your rules surrounding health that it doesn't fit into your actual life. But here's principle number five. Live in your body according to the level of health you believe you deserve. I don't think we stop ourselves enough to really say, let me do a health check-in with myself. And I don't mean like go to the doctor, get your blood pressure done, uh, your blood sugar check. I mean, all of those things I'm sure are very, very important. 
you know, whatever you need to do, yearly physical. But how often do you actually check in with yourself and say, how do I feel in my body? Do I feel vibrant? Do I feel healthy? Do I feel strong? When I wake up in the morning, do I feel alert, awake, and ready for the day? Or do I wake up and within five minutes feel absolutely tired and like I want to go back to bed? It's important to do those health check-ins on a regular basis so that you can start to see where your beliefs are taking your body because the body doesn't lie. What's going on on the inside is always going to show on the outside. And so once you start to notice that your outside doesn't really reflect the level of vitality, the level of physicality, the level of strength that you want, then you start to have to go within and say, well, what are the things I'm believing about the health that I deserve that's impacting my ability to get there? So do a health check-in with yourself and then whatever limiting beliefs might be blocking you from feeling vitality and energy and strength, remember that you deserve all of those things. It's your birthright. And at some point, you've got to decide that if you have beliefs that are opposite to the idea that you deserve to be healthy, you deserve to be whole, you deserve to be fit, you deserve to be all the things that your physical body is capable of so that it can help you do your work in the world, then you've got to change those beliefs. And, and you know, Wallace T. Waddles says this. He says, thoughts which contain no faith create no forms. Let me say that again. Thoughts which contain no faith create no forms. So if you don't believe it, it's not going to create anything. And so the moment you see your body going out of whack, putting on weight, not feeling as, you know, as energized as you want to feel, you're believing something about your deservability of that level of health that you need to question. Thoughts which contain no faith create no form. So you need to put your faith in the right thoughts. So then you know what you deserve in terms of your health and you will see that the moment you believe you deserve that level of health, you will create it. Doesn't matter how much you're working on the business. Doesn't matter what else is going on in your life. When your beliefs reflect your deservability of your highest level of health, you will do what it takes to get there and not a second sooner. So remember, thoughts which contain no faith create no forms. So principle number five is live in your body according to the level of health you believe you deserve. And that begins by doing a health check-in and then changing any of those limiting beliefs. Here's principle number six. Decide what failure means in advance. You know, I'm not a fan of failure. Um, and I'm a former well, I'd rather say recovering perfectionistic because I still have moments of perfection. I'm a recovering perfectionistic, a perfectionist, overachiever, okay? So for me, I graduated high school at 20, I mean at 16. Oh, I forgot that. I graduated high school at 16, went to Vassar College at 16, which is a, a top liberal arts college in upstate New York, graduated from high school uh, college at 20, had my MBA at 22, was a professor at 22 teaching 25 and 26 year olds. So in the first 20 to 25 years of my life, I was used to getting it right. Like I knew what I needed to do. I got it done. I got it right. And so my emphasis was on how do I get this thing right? Not necessarily how do I learn the things I need to learn? How do I grow 
as a human being. It was how do I get it right? And then life happened. And uh, I went through my Saturn returns from 28 to 31. And it taught me a couple things. And one of the biggest things I learned by experiencing what at the time felt like failure after failure. I mean, when I tell you there was a period in my life of like three to four years where I just felt like every time I turned around, I was getting gut punched by life. Like, have you ever had that where you just feel like you turn around and it's like, boom, and then you barely get your breath back from that life gut punch and you turn around and boom, you're getting another one. Boom. You're So I had a period of time. So I had a period of years where I had a lot of failure going on in my life and I'd never experienced that before. You know, I graduated college at 20. I had my first house, I think like at 21. I mean, none, all of that was foreign to me when I went through that period of failure after nothing I did during those years worked, nothing. And it could have been a period where I completely doubted myself where I said to myself, I'm just going to give up on life because like I just keep getting gut punched and every time I get kind of up here, I, I mean, I could have just totally given up. But what that those years taught me, as hard as they were, it taught me how to live by a very important principle about failure. And this is where principle number six comes from when I say decide what failure means in advance. When I experience failure now, I still don't like it. I still, I mean, I, I, I'm not, look, if I don't see numbers I, I want to see or I don't get to goals I want to get to, it, it doesn't make me feel good. But what I understand about failure now that I didn't when I was 25 is that, first of all, failure isn't a bad thing. Failure is learning and results. So if you fail, you need to learn. And I'm a lifelong learner, so I love that kind of thing. So I reframed how I saw failure. But here's the biggest thing about failure that I truly got after experiencing it consistently, persistently for a number of years. I never lose. I never lose. I either win or I learn, period. Like I, when, when failure happens, I don't even give it a second to like take hold and become something that's about me as a person or my confidence or my self-esteem. I just go, hmm, I never lose. I either win or I learn. So if this is not a win, because it's a failure, what am I here to learn? Let me pick it up so I don't have to do this thing again. I never lose. I either win or I learn. And when you're in business, you've got to see things that way. Failure cannot be a devastating blow every single time it happens because the amount of time it's going to take you to recover from every failure will be so long that you will miss the boat on opportunities. So remember, failure is not final. It's not permanent. It's not personal. It's not devastating. It simply means you've got something to learn. So what I want you to do with principle number six is treat failure as your greatest teacher because you know what? It is. Success is not your master teacher. Success does not teach you anything. It feels good in the moment. Like, this is like a Twinkie feels good when you're eating it, but what it does to your body for years and years afterwards sucks. Success is a wonderful um, icing on the cake, but success will never teach you what failure can. So treat failure as your greatest teacher because you know what it is. 
decide that you're going to fail forward. I love that book by John Maxwell. If you haven't read it, and if failure is one of your things that kind of knocks you down and leaves you down a little bit longer than you'd like it to leave you down, pick up the book. John Maxwell, Failing Forward. You've got to get the mindset that whenever you fail, you're going to use it. You're going to leverage it and you're going to fail forward. And when you fail, you need to make a very clear decision that next time you're going to go for more. This is the tricky part. So people fail and instead of expanding, they shrink. They go, ooh, I shouldn't have tried that. Ooh, I shouldn't have gone on that audition. Ooh, I shouldn't have gone for that relationship. So whenever they fail, they think it's a sign to stop. They think they're not supposed to be going in that direction. And so instead of expanding, they shrink. What I'm challenging you to do with deciding what failure means in advance, principle six, is make a conscious decision. A, failure is learning. B, that you never lose. You either win or you learn. And see, whenever you fail, you are going to consciously choose to expand and not contract. And Wallace T. Waddle said it best in The Science of Getting Rich. He said, you know what? When you make a failure, it is because you have not asked for enough. Keep on and a larger thing than you were seeking will certainly come to you. Remember this. And I like his perspective because what he's saying is, when you fail at something, maybe it's because you were playing things small. Like maybe the reason you failed is because your heart really wasn't in it to begin with because you were going for something safe, but going for something safe really means you didn't have to invest much. And because you didn't really invest much, you know what? You kind of, it didn't work out for you. Maybe that's what happened there. So when you make a failure, it's super important that you decide consciously that you're going to go for more the next time. And here is principle number seven. Face problems, interrupt patterns, but by all means, oh, here we go. Okay, let me just have a moment because I could, I could just, I could just shout on this one. One of the things, before I even finish what I was going to say about principle number seven, one of the things that keeps us from getting to success earlier than we actually do is this principle right here. Because many of us, and I'm going to include myself in that because I have done this many times. Many times I have spent uh, years in the spiritual sixth grade, repeating the spiritual sixth grade, learning the same lesson different people, different circumstances, same lesson, choosing not to get the lesson, but you know what? Life is a spiral. So if you don't get the lesson this time around in life or business, it will come back and teach you again and teach you again and teach you again until you get the lesson. So principle number seven is this, face your problems interrupt the patterns, but by all means, get the lesson this time around. Meaning, stop repeating the spiritual sixth grade. Get the lesson. And it's important to get the lesson as early and quickly as you can and to not repeat it the next time you're presented with some situation. Like if you've started a business before and the business has failed, write in your journal a list of all the lessons that you learned from it so the next time you start a business, you don't repeat any of those lessons. If you learned, I need to hire a CPA, before you start the next business, hire a CPA. If you learned in the last business, 
I can't do it all on my own. I need support. Get support on the next business. You see, the ability to learn from past mistakes is crucial to sustainable achievement in life. If you want to get to where you want to go in your business faster, quicker, and sustain it for longer, you've got to be somebody who can face problems head on, who can notice the patterns that you keep repeating with these issues, interrupt the pattern, and get the lesson. And I want to close this first episode of She Runs the Show by leaving you with a super powerful quote from Paulo Coelho, who wrote The Alchemist, which if you haven't read it, please read it. And one of my favorite books, even more than The Alchemist, I love this book, called A Warrior of the Light. And in A Warrior of the Light, here's what Paulo Coelho says. And I want you to think about this this week. I'm going to read this, but I want you to really, especially as it relates to principle number seven, like get the lesson. Think about what he's saying in this excerpt from A Warrior of the Light. A warrior of the light knows that certain moments repeat themselves. He often finds himself faced by the same problems and situations. And seeing these difficult situations return, he grows depressed, thinking that he's incapable of making any progress in life. I've been through all this before, he says to his heart. Yes, you have been through all this before, replies his heart. But you have never been beyond it. Then the warrior realizes that these repeated experiences have but one aim, to teach him what he does not want to learn. Mm. So when you think about this week, the lessons that you've been repeating in your business, the things that you've been doing that have not been working, the associations, the marketing strategies, the business strategies, the way that you show up in your business. When you think about all of the things that seem to keep repeating themselves, rather than question whether or not you should be in business, I want you to realize that these repeated experiences have but one aim, to teach you what you do not want to learn. And here's my challenge to you this week. Be willing to get the lesson this time. Be willing and then go into 2015 free, fabulous, amazing, on fire for your mission, and people will be drawn to you. All right, everyone, thank you for the time that you took to listen to episode one of She Runs the Show. Visit me. I am everywhere. Facebook.com forward slash She Runs the Show. Like the Facebook page. I post a lot of great quotes and inspiration and tips there. Find me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Cassandra Bibus. You can also find me at SheRunsTheShow.com. That's the blog. So I post two times a week. And then, of course, there are going to be a series of books for women entrepreneurs on Kindle. So just look up Cassandra Bibus. You will find me on there as well. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. I will talk to you soon. <laughs>